should you decide to accept it. Being uncharacteristically Ooh. having my shit together this week. Hey. I managed to order this and have it shipped to uh, Tennessee so I could read it while I was on vacation. Cool. Ten Tennessee so, seems like a good place to read about this guy. Like sure. it, so, like so Jenny, so you should be doing the majority of the talking here. Because what yeah. I've done, I did some research. I read a lot of articles. I read, I read this one article that was so dark just about his last days. And, but I have not read the bio. It referred, the article I read referred to that bio a ton. I guess that was like. So one of the, the big points of contention is that there's, it's arguably unclear whether this is a Songs Ohio album or, and that's because Jason Molina had been recording as Songs Ohio for several, many albums. And then he got to this one and technically, Songs Ohio doesn't appear on the like the the cover on any of the information. Allegedly, yeah. I don't have a physical copy to verify that. Mm -hmm. But the argument was is that it actually didn't appear anywhere on on the work itself. Yeah. But it did appear on the inside of an LP, and I've never owned an LP to verify. Yeah. Then again, it has a completely different set of musicians. So, right. Argue, and then from this album on, everything was under Magnolia Electric Company, except for a, a random a handful of things. So right, right. Some people were. There's a big debate about whether or not this actually was a Songs Ohio album, and it is listed that way. But Jason Molina was later on, after this had raged for a while, he later on claimed that "Didn't It Rain" was the last Songs Ohio album. So even he had said that this really wasn't, but this was the beginning of Magnolia Electric Company. Got but, it. I had read so, that as well. I read that in a, I think it was a Consequences Sound article. They were talking about that being technically the last Songs Ohio uh, Songs Ohio album, but that this one had the lineup and the fact that like, like the fact that they had a lot of different instrumentation, a lot of different artists playing instrumentation. And a lot, a lot more of him singing as opposed to a rotating artist. I spent some time with the Songs Ohio back catalog, and mm -hmm. that is that is by and large, if not entirely, Jason Molino just with okay. guitar. It's okay. Very basic. Not not to interrupt, but we are in fact doing Songs Ohio, Magnetic Electric Company, Magnolia or. Recording company. Magnolia Recording Company. <laughs> Holy fuck. <laughs> How did I get that wrong? No, I'm good. Guys, it, I, it was a, I, it was a magnetic it's, fields. That's what I fucking like, <laughs> threw in Magnolia, there. Magnolia Electric Company. Uh, That's the right. Combo. Yeah. Combo. Yeah. So there you go. All right. Yeah. 2003. Yeah, so something. We're doing some album. I keep, yeah. I keep it's thinking of. It's yeah, I keep thinking of Kenny Tompkins' recording company. Which uh, came out around that time. Like maybe the uh, year after, maybe? Yeah, that might be right, yeah. Yeah. Sounds uh, totally know. different. Yeah, it does sound totally right. different. But, but there's just that combination of words. Much like when I was sick on the other day and I kept thinking like, or I kept uh, hearing dark, One Dark Moon instead of One Dark Blues run through my head. So there's just like a combination of words that I guess at some point become word soup to me, and it's like the, the like melody. Yeah, yeah. yeah no. Speaking of words, I guess I should add at the beginning, at the outset, that 
The reason I picked this was in part because it was time. It had been on the list of potentials for a while, but and in large part because through doing this podcast with you guys over the course of the last year or whatever, it's become very apparent that I'm just like not as tuned into the lyrics on things as apparently any anyone else ever is. <laughs> so I really was forced to think about what lyrics are doing it for me. And it was actually a harder question to answer than I expected. But besides Bradford Cox, the obvious answer was Jason Molina, because these will, and, and maybe it's just a, a bit of a personal attack, but some of them are gut punches. Some of them will just grab you by the shoulders and yell at you to get your shit together. That's part of the reason, that was a big motivation behind why I came up with this one is because the lyrically, it's one of the most profound albums that I know. And it's musically profound too, although I'll confess like at first, Farewell Transmission got all of my attention and I really put everything else on the back burner. And I think that is probably my fault because I don't think I'm fully over being forced to listen to bad commercial country when I was younger, <laughs> the school bus and like everywhere we went. And I think that as a result of that forced exposure, overexposure to bad commercial country young when I was younger that now I have such a short attention span I hear a twang and I'm like get, get out of my face like <laughs> this better be very worthwhile or I'm not doing it and so, so let me let me add on songs like yeah oh, god I was gonna say let me add on that that note with the song we're listening to right now the old black hen both, I didn't even notice this until after I wrote it down, but both Ryan and I, in our picks, put the Old Black Hen, the demo version, which <laughs> is sung by <laughs> sung by Jason Molino. Yeah, it's stripped down and sung by him. And so, and I think, it's no disrespect to whoever actually sings on the main song, he's definitely got a much more traditional country voice, which I think all of us probably have kind of knee-jerk reaction to just because of that overexposure growing up. So just put yeah. that out there. <laughs> yeah, I, I'll second what you're saying lyrically. Like the thing, so I'm of kind of two minds with Jason Molina. One is that like lyrically incredible, right? Like the, the imagery that he brings up in the lyrics are fantastic. The one of the songs that sticks out for me is the big game is every night where like the opening verses it, it'll get so quiet when this record ends you can hear the first hour of the world that's poetry that's amazing but he's the one trick pony in terms of the way he sings like not always the notes but this like it's kind of every song that he sings comes across primarily as that style and it's a situation where it's really good and i enjoy it but i need something else from him to break it up a little bit just so i can appreciate it a little bit more because by the time the album ends aside from the tracks that don't have him singing i get lost as to which song is which if it's just playing like they're bits and pieces lyrically that I think are in songs that they're not in but it's beautiful yeah. he I think that 
I have a tough t- his like the kind of warbling sing song that he does is not my favorite Jason Molina this is why like songs like Farewell Transmission and John Henry Split My Heart like the ones where he's more singing like with a, a louder like more yelly vocal like mm-hmm. I enjoy that so much more than I do like the trembly like warbly stuff yeah and, yeah. and I'm with you I, I think that there's I think there's stuff about this that I really love there are things I can definitely point to that I can be like like this is some super powerful imagery but I think that some of it also tends to get a little bit repetitive and I guess if you listen to all his other material like I did for this like it starts to repeat over certain songs I was like all right that's cool but we've been talking about this owl for four albums (laughs) and I get it but I think that there's definitely some things that can be pointed to for sure that maybe could have switched up a little bit more. Here I say that, having put out no albums, so... Yeah, yeah, So for me, just thinking about... Okay, so responding maybe to a little bit of what you were saying, Ryan. Like, for me, I think what's helpful... Okay, so what I tried to do is, for my cut, I actually tried to work off the first eight songs. Because I think that was the original release, the, the two... Track nine, track ten, were I think part of the re-release. Bonuses. I think yeah. so. Yeah, I tried to work off those eight, and I feel like those eight are damn good. And like the way I look at it is, it's like a whole thing. It's a whole sort of composition with like movements. That's the way I like was imagining this, and less like distinct songs because I don't. Think, I think they have a lot of shared themes. They have repeated lyrics, too. I don't know if you noticed that. Mm-hmm. And so it almost felt like it almost felt like a classical piece with different movements and different emphasis, but it's like thematically like very much the same. And so like once I wrapped my head around that, like I wasn't looking for like necessarily variety as much. So yeah, go ahead. There's actually, those moments pop up here and there throughout his catalog, and I don't want to get too off topic, but I just want to point that out, is that not only are there moments or in certain songs here that take you back to other songs because they share, like, a line between mm-hmm, them, mm-hmm. but he has a live album that he had that I was listening to, and after the, the second or third time, I was like, wait a minute, I know that from somewhere else. Where do I know that from? And then it, I spent the next while trying to figure that out. And then he's got a bunch of Neil Young lyrics that he had in a live performance randomly worked into these songs, mm. um, like Out on the Weekend and, and Tonight's the Night. There's a point where he just yells in the big beast, Tonight's the Night. And I was like, nice. I know that. Yeah. And so then he sent me on a Neil Young spiral for a minute. And it was just like, man, there's so many layers, though, to this stuff. Even if it's derivative, it really was a ride going through all that. Yeah. I don't think it's so weird because I... I've, I'd heard of him, and I'm sure, I don't know though, but I'm sure I listened to this back in the day. I don't think Katie never had the CD, and she, Katie, my wife, was like the is the person that got me into this kind of music, right? Like much like yeah. you guys, when we were growing up, anything in the realm of country was like pretty much a turn off, because that was just like. All the kind of normal stuff and we were only exposed to mainstream country so she helped me see other stuff and some of the older artists from the 70s and 60s and stuff 
but she was never into this. I feel like with this guy and his whole story and his music, it's weird, but I feel like it's like ships in the night with, with me and him. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? There's no, like, I was into a so lot this was of... New, this was new to Katie, too? Yeah, yeah. She had never really listened oh, to wow. this. But huh. if, you, if I think about the stuff we were listening to around then, so, for example, the Abbott Brothers, Ryan Adams... Um, Uncle Tupelo, Sunfall, Woko, the Jayhawks, all that stuff. Like, I have no reason, I have no good explanation or reason why, (laughs) like, we weren't, we didn't listen to this or get into this stuff. It really fits in around that stuff. I would even say, this is a little bit more of an indie version of a lot of that stuff. Like, when I was listening to it the first couple of times, I, I kept thinking about a Pavement's record, Crooked Rain where yeah. there's a lot of overlap in the sound and even in Malcolm's voice and yeah. Melina's voice. So I was just like, how the hell did I not really dwell on this one and really get into it and dig on it? Because yeah. it is beautiful. Like for me, it is beautiful, sad, like profound lyrically. Like he has a way of being plain spoken and like poetic, which is really hard thing to nail like the great I think probably the great artists like your Dylans and your Neil Young's and you know your Paul Simon those are the kinds of people that could write lyrics like that that were like could be consumed by people and but still speak in, in poetic in a poetic language I have on the stream right now I have a, I have a lyric there that's hard to read but it's I'll streak his blood across my beak yeah, like I think and dust my feather. Spend... Yeah, it's these are really beautiful poetic lyrics that like put these really strong images in your mind, and yet I don't think he's like saying things that people can't wrap their heads around. So like this song that we're listening to now, like I went through and actually pulled out some of the lyrics that I thought were like hit the hardest, mm-hmm. and they can they're like in two groups. There's like the the visual imagery like the the moon i always love mama here comes midnight with the dead moon in its jaws i was like man that's like yeah. such a cool that's cool a like yeah, what what um, imagery right stuff and then oh. there's also just really like deep stuff like in john henry it says Wait, what are you gonna do with your heart in two yeah and then if you hold on and you wait later on here in a minute he says half I'm going to use to pay this band, half I'm saving because I'm going to owe them. And he splits it up. He puts something in between the two. Yeah. Only if it's good enough. But if you take those two and put them together, like shit, like it it really encapsulates a lot of the stuff that he was going through, I think, that contributed to the drinking and the downward spiral, putting so much of everything into his performances and his band and like putting so much in, just like he said, what are you going to do with your heart into? And he's like, it's all spoken for by the music, basically. Oh, man. There's, there's lyrics in here. There's one I just wanted to share. There's one lyric that I heard, especially after reading about his story. Just for the audience, Jason Molina has basically, over the course of, like, slowly, right? Like, over 10 years, really, drank himself to death, died of organ failure because of alcoholism. He has the distinction of being the only person I can think of, at least, who did who managed to do that while they were still in their thirties, which I think is yeah. I think wild. Townsend it usually takes people a lot longer. Yeah, Townsend's aunt I think lasted into his forties or fifties even maybe. But yeah, yeah. Th- so yeah, there's a lyric 
where I, I remember listening to him being like, man, it's like, come on, did you really believe that everyone makes it out? And it's, I was just like, oh, yeah. man. Yeah, that, and that's an impressive and, emotion to convey in one line. Yeah. <laughs> and also, Lewis, I second your big game choice because I didn't pull both of those lines out, but the first one, it'll get so quiet when this record ends. I can actually stop it right there and just be like, oh, my God, that feeling like when yeah. you've been like listening to something and then it's just like silence. And then I think the other one, there's there's a line in Lonesome Valley that really just fucking gut punches me. And it says, now I'm not worried about heading back. I'll be punished by a civil death if I've done enough, but not my best. And I was like, oh, I feel I'm in this picture and I don't like it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, go ahead, Ron. No, there's a couple pieces of there's some really good like single line imagery stuff, too. Like John Henry split my heart early on has the line. Wisteria, Magnolia behind, beside the Green Line track, like it, ta like in that one line, you've got like a perfect visual setting of this like overgrown kind of vegetative like area with the railroad track running through it. And there's another one in the Big Game is Every Night, which I've got so many from that, but. You can hear the willow branches touch the wave. That's a beautiful line. And at the very end of it, he talks about, I am the snake. They're all saying, if they look up here, do they just see my black tail swaying? If I'm all fangs and all lies and all poison, if I'm really what they're saying, I don't want to disappoint them. And it's just like, this <laughs> dude was like- It's heavy. This, th yeah, and it's just, not only is it heavy, it's, it's clean. So many people could convey that same type of emotion, but it's just pared down so perfectly that, yeah, it's hard to ignore, like, comparisons to really great and, like, palatable lyrics. Yeah, really, yeah, great lyrics. And I think, and I think, ultimately, that's probably his, like, influence, like, his impact at the end of the day, right, is, I think, is obviously, people enjoyed his music, and I think he could write nice songs and stuff. But the the lyric game is at such a high level, at least in the stuff that I listened to, where I was like, wow, this is really, this is something else. It's something yeah. kind of special and unique. And I don't know how many years this record was into his career, but I feel, I don't know, I feel like, for example, like Jeff Tweedy, it took him a while to get to writing like really interesting lyrics. <laughs> So there's the, one of the songs in the app that I have a link for in the after party test. I think he wasn't quite on on the height of his game back mm. in 95 or so, mm. but he was getting there. He was definitely getting there. I think that there's, you, you can hear it and you can see what you mm. think, but I think he was well on his way even back then, but yeah, there's he, a he certainly up the game by the time we got to this album for sure there's yeah, a w west virginia connection too yeah. a couple of west virginia connections actually i think his grandmother lived in west virginia he spent summers in west virginia and then i think he ended up in west virginia as part of a rehab program like towards the end of his <laughs> life so there was like a basically actually, those are all related oh is that right so he went to he went to live at one point after he'd been to se several other rehab facilities, his grandma had said, who lives in Beckley apparently, had said 
there's one here. I really think it sounds good. You should go to it. And we did end up going to it and then said it was like very cold. You didn't care for it. I think it was like religion based, which, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, no, yeah. that's right. Yeah, no, and it's, yeah, again, also interesting that he's from Ohio, just from the, it's like, there's like little twinges of country, but it's not really country. Some of the instrumentation is used in country music, but. Yeah, I, I'll give him, like, he also, his voice is a lot of Jay Farrar, and I'll say that that's somebody else who whose lyrics were really on point yes. early in his career, yes. but still didn't have the batting average as an album that Jason Molina seems to, with this at least. Like, Jay Farrar was good for a few tracks that just, yeah, it just spoke deeply to, to this, like, kind of folk, alt-country Appalachian sound that comes through these yeah. albums. Like, it's hard to put a finger on exactly what it is, but it, it doesn't sound southern country no. enough. <laughs> and it does it certainly has no like country western to it. <laughs> it's this perfect little like depressed Appalachian folk alt country. It's really great. And yeah, I that book I'll have to pick up that book. That seems like that would be really interesting reading for sure. And and this not to denigrate. I love the sound of this thing. So like I was trying to put together what's the DNA of the sound of this thing. And yeah, for sure I hear Neil Young. Right, that's like just yeah. boom Neil Young, yeah, 70s yeah. Neil Young, Zuma, that that type of deal. Right, like rock. Yeah, the rock Neil Young. Yeah, so for sure. Particularly in John Henry split my heart is that's practically a cover song. It's so perfectly, perfectly Neil Young. I think even I've been riding with the ghost to, especially the way he sings it. So for sure, Neil Young. I think also, to me, it's definitely some of his like whatever you want to call alt country like predecessors. This is like a sound that was like perfected. I think it's just be simple, maybe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. For sure. Yeah. But then the, the other thing is like how spare it is. I didn't know about the connection between this guy and Will Oldham slash AKA Bonnie Prince Billy. But so apparently Bonnie Prince Billy, Will Oldham, he got handed a demo tape of Jason Molina's and was the first person to actually put out a single by Jason Molina. And then that single Someone at this record label, Secretly Canadian, which was his record label, I think basically for his whole career, li listened to that single and signed them. And then they apparently did like a collab album. Anyway, all that to say is like when I was listening to this, I'm getting like Palace Brothers, Will Oldham vibes, like real strong. And there was like a direct connection, actually. Yeah. And yeah, for, for the audience, honestly, go check out Will Oldham, Bonnie Prince Billy. He goes under a million different names. Palace Brothers. I'm trying to think of the other ones that, that they put out records on. But a lot of overlap, I think, in terms of the sound. And and in terms of how, the, the, how dark and bleak the lyrics are. And the other thing is, I don't know if you guys noticed, but there's a lot of kind of biblical references also in this. Farewell Transmission almost sounds like it's a song for the end of the world. Just twisted to think twisted to think let me see here 
twisted to think that this is the opening track of the record. Honestly. <laughs> um, Man, it is. It sets a hook deep. Like, that lap steel right out the gate mm-hmm. is just, okay, got me for whatever this album has for me. <laughs> I'm into it. Like, three notes I could name this song. Like, it's perfect. It is a perfect opening track. If you're someone who's like, just picking it up and throwing it in and hitting play, this hook's hard. It's funny. I always think of this. Go ahead. I was just going to say, that's what happened to me when I first listened to this. I got to this song and I never really made it that much farther because I was like, nope, this is the best song. It's not getting (laughs) better than this. And I just listened to it obsessively on repeat for a long time. Hmm. I think forgot about the rest, but somebody, there's some guy on the internet who's called this like one of the greatest songs of all time. And I almost, I think I agree with him, actually. This is definitely in my top five. That 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 guitar, man, the demo is fine and all, but it, it takes that additional like hook to really just make it like perfect. So what I've read, what I've read about mm-hmm. the, the recording of this song was that it was like, I think Melina taught people the chords, but otherwise it was like pretty improvised. Yeah, it was very ad hoc. <laughs> and which ad is hoc. cool, which is super cool, which is like, which is like a, an Albini thing that Steve Albini, by the way, is the producer of the record, yeah. very famous producer. He was in the band Big Black and also produced stuff like Nirvana's album In Utero and many other records. But I think that's Albini's whole thing is like, stripping things down, getting the energy and the passion of a live performance like to come through in a recording. And okay, so th- this is interesting. There's some mythology about the recording of this track. And one thing I read in one article I read, Molina was talking about how it was so perfect because at the end he's actually telling Albini, "Listen." He's saying, "Listen." And then it all, everyone just stops at the same time. And he was making it sound like that whole thing was, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Oh man, brain's not working very well. But basically like a, a, a kind of moment of good fortune and like a happy accident. But then I, you listen to the demo and that is in the demo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I don't think, I think it was less a happy accident than he discussed. And from what I was reading also, it seems like he was a habitual liar. like. He would tell ridiculous stories from time to time, and like people just learned to roll with it. I, I don't know. So there's a mythology around the recording of this track, but undoubtedly, it is beautiful. It is weird to me to be the first track. I'm not saying in a bad way. Like when he, he's saying goodbye, like I'm saying hello. So yeah, I get that. <laughs> it's like where does this go from here? In some way, it's like, have you guys ever seen that movie uh, Melancholia? Is uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. Came yeah. out like about ten yeah. years ago. And, yeah. The- the Lars von Trier, and it's basically right. a spoiler. It's about the, another planet sort of crashing into the planet and the end of the world, and like these people sort of processing this slow end of the world scenario. It felt like the audio manifestation of that in some way, and so like after that, I was like, okay, where are we going now? What are we gonna say now? <laughs> no, it's just a really cool yeah, choice. That's a good point. I think maybe he's, maybe he's, subs- I don't know about that. I was going to say, maybe he subscribes to my theory of put the best one first, just in case no one ever makes it any further. Like, that's <laughs> how I order all of my, I don't know. Mm. 
Yeah. It's, it's got like a good opening energy, but I agree with you that there's like really nowhere to go from here but down. <laughs> I like, it's funny, I think it's funny, I liked, I liked that song a lot. I kind of, I think my favorite song on the record is probably, is probably the next track. Track two, I've been riding with the ghost. And oh, yeah. so, okay, I, have, I actually have a little, it's been interesting backstory. Well, not so interesting, I guess. I'm not going to sell it that hard. So the background singer on, one of the background singers on I've Been Riding With The Ghost is Jenny from Jim and Jenny and the Pine Tops. Does that ring any bells with you guys? Probably it shouldn't. I don't think it should. So Jim and Jenny and the Pine Tops were like a bluegrass country band I believe from outside of Philly, and me and Katie saw them live. And apparently, this is why I feel like it's like ships passing in the night. Apparently, the record before this, Melina recorded it with Jim and Jenny. It was basically Melina, Jim and Jenny together. That was like the last song Zohaya record or whatever. So like literally, we were into Jim and Jenny. And not this guy. I don't know how the hell that happened. How does that work? I think you have to call that Jim and Jenny and Jason. Yeah, and I like how... I, lo- I love the chorus. Th- see, this one seems like a little... It's like one of the... It's shorter, and it seems like one of the more focused songs on the record, which isn't necessarily a good or a bad thing. It's just... I think it has something very specific to say, and it says it. For me, it took, it took a hit because of when it came, because it comes after farewell transmission. Yeah. It took a really hard hit. Huh. Yeah, it, it's. I think it's. I still think it's really good. Mm-hmm. But when I was cutting it, I ended up skipping over it because there's something about the tonal components of those two songs next to each other that this one starts to lose me a little bit. I think what I like about this. Another thing I like about this song is. Like, from a lyrical standpoint, there's a line in here that I really... <laughs> While you've been busy crying about my past mistakes, I've been trying to make a change, and now I made a change. Yeah. I, I, it's, I've definitely felt that. <laughs> I've definitely felt that. So, okay. Like, I'm trying. And I think this is a theme in this, re- in this record. I know I'm fucked up, but I'm trying. I'm trying. Give me some credit. Yeah, he has. He, I think he cycles back and forth between like optimism, like I am doing better. When in hindsight, I guess we know that was either temporary or he wasn't. But like cycling through, like being really down on himself versus mm-hmm. being like, oh, no, I've got this. Like I've got this. Why? And and I might be remembering some songs outside of this album too. But I think that's a pretty common theme with him is like reflecting on. Yeah, like just as I, I think he had a decent amount of self-awareness about it not as much as needed but he didn't really start amount. drinking until like around this record from what i understand i think i was reading you're the one that um, read the bio so yeah, <laughs> you would know time-wise, yeah i did but i don't see like a lot of it was it was like interviews with different people who knew him really well but they knew like different parts. So like interviews with like his wife who knew like home Jason and then 
interviews with touring on tour, like bandmates who knew Jason. And those two stories, like, un until people started putting the two of them together, I don't think anyone realized how bad his problem really was because he was constantly bouncing around enough mm. that no... There's a part in there where they talk about how it wasn't really until Darcy and the bandmates, like, all of the stories started getting, like, combined that people were like, oh, shit, okay. Like, he managed to keep everything compartmentalized and separate enough that people really didn't realize the extent of the problem he had. So it's hard to put a precise, like, pin in when he started. He started heavily drinking. Right, right. Just because so much of it was split up and hard to pin down. But I think that's give or take, sure. Yeah, that <laughs> seems like a good a point, a time to point to as any. Yeah, that, like, it's come up a couple times. So that in 2013, the year he died, late that year, they put out this deluxe edition that basically takes every track that was in the 10-track version of the album and gives it, like, gives the demo to it, which is super stripped down Jason Molina and guitar in like every track and it's I really miss the lap steel I really miss the instrumentation mm. but at the same time like to hear that kind of pure version of the original form of the track certainly saved uh, the tracks that aren't him you know what I was saying earlier about needing something a little different from him like Having someone else sing on the album was not the solution. Like, no. Especially when I heard the demos for these songs, it's like, it's so much, so much cleaner. It, the presentation, like Old Black Hen, yeah. the presentation is completely different. Yeah. Like the demo version of that track is beautiful. And again, maybe it's because of that like traditional country vocal over top of it. Mm. I think it's more than that. I think that singer just doesn't get the tone that Jason Molina is writing into the track. It just doesn't carry over when someone else sings it. Mm. And yeah, like Farewell Transmission is certainly a, a simpler track. It's less of a continuation jam, but so beautiful. Like, I, I really, it was like, it was a palate cleanser for me when I was getting too much of the, the released recording to drop into the demo and kind of hear the, the transition from like the original written track to the, the final produced version. It is still very impressive how nailed down the songs are in that demo form. Like obviously it's, it's still a pretty refined variation, but it's still like, it's every one of these tracks sounds, you know, like just like a simpler version of what was released. I really love some of the demos. I uh, actually had, I was just going to say that I largely didn't like the demos. Oh, I, I don't know. I'm not going to say I didn't like them better. My, I like the, the album tracks on average better, but I had the same problem both with Black Hen, the regular version. I'm just mad about the countryness of it all, the commercial <laughs> countryness of it all. And I never really, it, it didn't matter how many times I listened to it. I didn't, it didn't grow on me. And I still, I was still butthurt about that. And I, mean, I, I tried. It's I, hard to I listened hate. to it a lot of times, but it didn't happen. But differently though, I had the same feeling about Peoria Lunchbox Blues at first. And it took a long time 
but eventually that one won me over and i don't like her voice on there and chris and i had a long conversation about it on you know saturday when we were like <laughs> busting up concrete with sledgehammers he was like after when i had him listening to this for like the 47th time in the week within the last two weeks he was like I don't like her voice and I said neither do I I was like but it's grown on me now and I'm okay I've made peace with this one and he was like well, <laughs> let me hear the demo and I put it on and he was like no that's not better either and I was like I said and also I don't know who I'm, I'm not familiar with that woman and her what, whatever else she might have done like I only know her from this album yeah so I can't really talk about her catalog or what it sounds like but I almost wonder if that was on purpose because I said her voice is like if Jason Molina is like I don't want to sing this song I want somebody else to do it in a way her voice is like the female counterpart to his war him and his warbliest yeah um, it's certainly maybe closer to that yeah. just the counterpart hey Jenny but it was weird it was just weird to me yeah oh hey yeah. can you do me a real quick favor and disconnect and reconnect because I feel like you're on like infinite tape delay for whatever reason it's been happening for a while and okay, I feel like we'll it's do. now gotten worse yeah okay uh, we'll be right back Tech some okay. technical All right. sorting out some technical BS yeah no I was yeah it was like <laughs> like we were talking over each other in weird ways and I was like okay wait a second this is uh <laughs> yeah this is fucked I, I thought maybe it was I thought maybe it was because I just reinstalled the application. I thought, no, it's okay, no. It must be a setting that I tweaked. No, no, no. Yeah. It's it's definitely not. Yeah, because you're coming in fine. It's just me, huh? All right. Just lucky, well, tell me. Talk, talk. Test one, two. Hold on. Okay, it looks good. It seems good. Yeah, it seems video seems aligned. I feel like you you'd guys. be making those faces at that exact spot. <laughs> you guys are, are real broken up and warbly. Really? Wow. Okay. What? You know. Okay. Wait. It's better now. It's better. Okay. All right. Let's just go while we have a moment. Okay. No, the app. Like, <laughs> okay, why? We'll do it live. No, this is my question. Why would the fuck would the app like tape delay you? Like, why would that be the thing? I'd rather it just cut out whoever. Like, okay, hey, they're fucked up in connection or something. Like, why? <laughs> why yeah. would tape delay? like <laughs> be helpful but anyway sorry i'm sorry ryan what were you saying i don't know i don't know i like the the stuff i was talking about last that meant anything was the the talking about the demo and oh yeah, yeah. jenny you didn't and you didn't like the demo so much they were fine i just didn't i just didn't prefer any of them to the original the closest i think one of them got i think i really the writing with the ghost demo was the the one i liked the most of all of them yeah so the writing with the ghost demo was actually really good too even though i jenny from jim and jenny like singing the background like on the chorus and that's cool but i thought the demo was really beautiful because he just hums that chorus which is which is really it sounds really beautiful I definitely think that I like the demos a lot. He probably could have released the demos and it would have been cool. But I do feel like the kind of Neil Young, Crazy Horse arrangements take yeah. some of these songs to a different place. I would argue this, this song we're listening to right now almost was good enough. Yeah. Like, has some really beautiful parts. Like, not quite guitar solos, but, like, at least featured guitar parts. The thing that I really like about 
the album version of most of the tracks is really that it gives it gives him space in between his lyrics that it's filled with instrumentation that is not over the top it feels very natural and like tonally correct and it allows for that yeah neil young and crazy horse is a really good comparison because it goes into not scat but like kind of that free kind of throw out a statement kind of thing mm -hmm. in between the music that works really well on so many of these tracks and being able to fill that with the lap steel the violin work like all that is just so beautifully arranged around it and really in the end for me it's the demos are only preferred when for the tracks that it's, it's not him it's the primary second okay hey I have, a, I have a question for you guys so what if this guy sang all these songs so what if Molina wrote these songs as like for this guy to sing all of them what, would how, would that, how would that change everything? You just same the same lyrics night because I'm thinking about same lyrics with this guy singing it and I'm mad as hell. No. <laughs> same lyrics. No. He sounds. No. Like, <laughs> it's not the same. Yeah. No. It's. He it, sounds like it, Toby it, Keith it, a little bit. Yeah. Or think, Trace yeah, Adkins. Trace mad. Adkins, I think, a little bit. Yeah, I see that. <laughs> the, so the thing that I think is fortunate for the way it played out. He's not Prince. He's not ghostwriting for other people. <laughs> like, like, lyrically, he's amazing, but it yeah. really needs his voice. And at least the artists that are singing these tracks, they don't contain his voice. And the demo of this song is exactly the same words. It doesn't vary. It, it just, it's two completely different songs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm glad like it's unfortunate that ghostwriting country music couldn't be a, a pay like a, a good paycheck for him, but it's very clear <laughs> that it, it doesn't work. Imagine George Strait like did this record. <laughs> it's just there's an introspective that those guys don't possess that that they're performers. Has. I think that's a good distinction. They're, yeah. Like they're performing a song and he's emoting in a way that they do not. Right. Yeah. No. I. I think that's that's a key difference. Look at like Garth Brooks's like big hits. Almost none of them he had anything to do with in terms of the writing. Yeah. He's like, just a know, Jason, performer. Jason Molina's pain was very real and very palpable, and it's. I think it's hard if you're a multi-million-dollar <laughs> recording CMA artist to, to like convincingly. <laughs> You're not convincing me of any of that. I'm sorry. It's just not happening. No, you can barely convince me that you're into this pickup truck. I don't even believe you. I feel Garth uh, Brooks. Uh, I do, however, believe that your wife left you. I believe that. I'm not sure she was ever real, but I know she's gone. Yeah. I feel Garth Brooks when he's talking about. We have friends in low places. I don't know. You can't feel that. I think he's a good performer. No, no I, I, I don't know about these songs, but I think he's a good performer. What's his yeah. alter ego? The his like. Alternative Chris, alter ego? Yeah. Chris Gaines. Chris Gaines. What if Chris Gaines did this record? <laughs> I mean, maybe he would have some sort of like credibility. <laughs> if Chris Gaines, if Garth Brooks as Chris Gaines 
becoming a Russian doll. Brooks, <laughs> as Chris Gaines made this album or an album like this, mm. people might take Garth Brooks as Chris Gaines more seriously. As it stands, he's a soul patch without a hat. <laughs> nobody, nobody remembers anything. Yeah, I, like, it, I don't know. I don't know if I have anything else. I will say that I'll be chewing through more of Jason Molina's, like, catalog in the coming year. I do feel like I need a bit of a palate cleanser before that happens, because this is a really powerful album. And yeah. I I don't want to come into any, anything else expecting them all to be this powerful. I want to be able to come back to it, just see what the progression was and, and how he moved forward. Because, yeah, this is it's a beautiful album. Yeah. I'd like to see what this guy was doing ahead of it. I'd like to see what came after it, because it, it feels like for an indie artist that, you know, or an artist that didn't really break big, it's hard to think how this kind of watershed album, like, stands to the rest of a career. And I think that gets really tricky for guys like this that are maybe really good songwriters and don't carry over into the mainstream immediately. Like, this is a cult status kind of album. And, yeah, I'd, I'd be curious to see how this... He only, he's only ever sold 200,000 records. Which I guess probably in 2021 is like, wow, that's amazing. But like for an album or all of his music ever. Wow. And considering he's been around in the 90s when basically, I don't know, Eve 6 could sell records, right? Like, it's like stunning. To be fair. And if you see how many of them there are, I think that that this is, there's a lot, there's a lot of them. (laughs) And this is pretty much, I think... From what anyone can really say, which is all outsiders looking in perspective, like best guesswork, it seems that was a really big piece of what was eating Jason so badly, was that he was basically putting his whole heart into this, and he was watching people that he used to tour with get big and start headlining stuff, and in the meantime... He was still like in the same place he'd always been, and I think it really crushed him that he got the impression that he wasn't, maybe wasn't so good at this, or that no one understood him, or, and I'm not gonna oversimplify it, there was more to it than that, but I think that was one thing that was really eating at him and causing him to self-medicate a lot, you know. I was was reading about, because I think he did like a, like a split record with My Morning Jacket, and my morning jacket became like a huge band, arena tours and things like that. And Nico Case was really blowing up and she used to be with them. There are some other names I can't recall right now, but yeah, yeah it's just that genre had a moment and somehow he it seems like he got skipped over, which is tragic. You know? it, again, like I, I, how, like I was into a lot of this music and like, how the fuck did I, I had heard the name of the band, but really I don't think I ever spent like a, a serious amount of time with any of his music. Yeah, kind of I think my only exposure, I guarantee you, is, is through you, Toma, and it was probably, it sounds like Farewell Transmission. It sounds like that song is super familiar. Like, the moment I turned on the album, I immediately was like, oh, yeah, like, okay. I have probably heard this 17 times in one evening at Toma's house. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it became one of those songs that, like, because of its obscurity, like, I heard it, I loved it, 
I didn't like immediately go find a copy of it and it disappeared in like the, my awareness, right? So many other things hit my attention and the song spoke to me deeply, got lost because I didn't have it. There's no reference to these guys anywhere aside from your collection, like in terms of my exposure at that time. So, so yeah, this is, it was great to come back and, and spend a couple of weeks with this album because it, it really deserves it. Ryan, I don't see that you put any Freebird and Sweater song, but for me, I, I, I was, I think the clear Freebird is Farewell Transmission. Even though it's not about, <laughs> it's just epic. It's epic to me. Like it's it's epic okay, in the way me, that needs to be. Musically, it's I think the clear freebird probably. Yeah. I mm -hmm. think, but there's also parts of it that I could argue would make it a lyrical freebird possibly as well, mm -hmm. because, like, the part at least where he talks about after tonight, if you don't want us to be a secret out of the past. I'll resurrect it, I'll have a good go at it. And then he says, I'll streak his blood across my beak and dust my feathers with his ashes. <laughs> yeah. And so arguably yeah. that's close enough to <laughs> some relational problems. Like I was like, yeah, like between those two things, I feel comfortable. Yeah. yeah, yeah, go ahead. I was gonna say, I just struggled real hard to find a sweater song cause I don't. <laughs> the only one I could think of was the big game is every night just because it's probably one of the weirder ones in terms of the lyrics like where he's talking about Johnny Unitas and I I think I understand the metaphor right I, I think I get the gist of the thing but it's not too often that you're hearing about Luke the Drifter and Bob Dylan aka Robert Zimmerman and then this line I remember hearing it line drive yeah. to keep the team alive because I think what it is is he's like imagining all these like creative people like playing baseball or something. <laughs> and, and I'm not saying it doesn't make sense. I'm just saying it's a little bit weird compared to the other ones where they're like poetic, not to make a pun, out of left field. And I feel yeah, like this I one's a little out of left field. Yeah, I think I got hung up on the sweater song part of it and just like... <laughs> useless i was useless finding a sweater song on this album and, and yeah like farewell transmission makes sense as the free bird yeah but i just was so without a sweater song that i was like fuck it the, that's the only one it's the song where i listened to the lyrics and i immediately was like okay i think i need to look this up on genius or something just to what the fuck is he talking about unitas <laughs> But anyway, okay. Any other rounding thoughts if we can review the record? Anything yeah. else? It's one of these albums that I feel like I simultaneously have everything to say about it mm. and also just throwing my hands up. What do you <laughs> even say? I, I find it's yeah. so hard, but except for just to say that I think listening to it, I wonder if I really had the same feelings about it before Jason Molina died. And I'm actually now really thinking hard about when I first listened to this, I think it might have been right after he died, hmm. I think. I'm not sure if he was still alive by then or not. It could have been slightly before. You bring up a but really interesting point that I want—I actually did want to talk about. You reminded me. Is like, 
his story, Melina's story, how does it like color or change this? Does it make it even more epic or does it, like I was thinking to myself, if I listened to this without knowing anything about his life, I think I still think this is a beautiful record and appreciate it for what it is, which is this like very cohesive, thematic, poetic work that's powerful. And to get a little Taylor Swift QAnon here, like knowing his story and then being able to read into some of the things he's saying in the lyrics or trying to read in a little bit as to what kind of things were going on in his brain, knowing the ending, it does add something to it. It does add a kind of element to it. I was reading that article about the last days of his life and man, it is so sad well, and depressing. Holy shit. And not to do it, not to spoil anything, but the last, I think, probably at least two years were a lot like that. A lot. Him, people trying, raising, giving their own money, raising money to get him in a facility and, and things looking better. And then him just like never being able to quite hold it up long enough. Yeah. Really sad things like his wife just having to separate from him because he, she was constantly, he would forget and he would break in the windows and like she would constantly be woken up in the middle of the night to like a very bloody Jason Molina like confused as to why his key didn't work. It was really, really stuff. But on the other hand, on the flip side, I also wonder, this was what, 2003 is when it was recorded. Presumably the songs were written at least a little bit before that. And at that time, I don't think things were that bad. I, mm -hmm. Not as bad as they got anyway. So yeah. I think what this really, what it, what it really boils down to for me is that even when things were not at their worst, I think that Jason Molina was somebody who really invested him his whole self, like too much of himself in something. And he really felt very deeply. And I think it, it really just, the whole experience was a lot for someone like him, no matter whether it was like the worst time or maybe like the not quite so as bad time it was still something that really weighed on him and i think that knowing i think that if i listened to this album not knowing anything about him it would still get my attention the same way it would still command my attention the same way and i would still feel like he meant every word he said i think the difference is now that i just know for a certainty that like yeah this guy was tortured as hell I just have that extra mm -hmm. confirmation, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's easy with lyrics this deep and personal, especially when there's a horrible tragedy like that, to like look back on the album with, in light of the things that happened to them and ascribe like higher meaning to what was happening. But even with trying to distance myself from that like natural component, they just, Lyrically, it's just so beautifully, like, bare bones and bared soul. Like, just cut himself as deep as he could and showed everybody. And it's really good. Yep. All right. Well, go ahead. Oh, no. God. I, all I was going to say is that I just, I think that there's so much of this is, it is a downer. And I didn't want to, not, not to bring down the whole pod, but 
I think there's also moments in here that I find to be a little bit more on the encouraging side, which I think is why it doesn't, why I can still listen to it, um, because there's little bits of, okay, for example, there's a lyric in Farewell Transmission that says, the real truth about it is no one gets it, but mm -hmm. the real truth about it is we're all supposed to try. And I'm mm -hmm. like, and, and hearing that, it, I, I, I feel like it's like a reminder. Listen, you might not get everything perfectly. You might not, you might feel like maybe you could be doing better, but at the end of the day, like we're all just figuring this shit out. Just get up tomorrow and try again. And I'm like, oh, thanks Jason. <laughs> you know? Yeah, no, I, so, I feel that too. I think that's a really good observation, Jenny, because it, it, he, that, that is a theme. He repeats that. There's, I think a song, I can't remember which song he's like, where he's literally saying that. And I think that is a, that is like a, it's an important theme and yeah it's not just like despair it's not just like endless despair I, and there's something really nice there's something really beautiful about listening to someone expressing their pain in a way that you can relate because it makes you feel like less alone in the world that's i mean <laughs> that's like the essence of it i don't know let me transition this right into my review and just keep it short i am like I've much like I find myself many times when when you when you Jenny when you make the pick, this is just like something like I said I really hadn't spent much time with if any, and I'm really glad that I got a chance to spend these last couple of weeks with this. Me and Katie listened to it together too, which was really nice because. Katie's a lot more particular about this kind of music she likes. Like when I'm listening to Raekwon, like she's not really trying to hear that shit or whatever. So this is in a real house and I think we both, I think we both really dug it. It's beautiful. It's powerful. I think it's a 4.5 for me out of five. I, I, I loved it. It was hard for me to cut any of the eight at the end of the day. So 4.5 for me. I, I also am giving it a 4.5. It, it ended up being just a tad lower than that mathematically, but my heart says 4.5, so I'm doing it. <laughs> no. Yeah, I, I think it sweeps the group at the solid 4.5. I think there are some things that could make it a 5. That it, It's not missing anything. It's just got some things that aren't 5 for me. Yeah. But um, 100% like this will join the pantheon of like beautifully depressing like country inspired albums that sit in my collection and it'll be incredibly depressing and it'll make me very happy <laughs> um, i have a playlist called country i can get behind and nice, i'm telling nice. you what i'm telling you what we're adding we're definitely adding some of these songs to that playlist. That's such a good playlist name because honestly, <laughs> I feel like I could make one of those too and, and it would be a very specific, particular couple of songs or like small playlist, but... We're know. gonna have to listen at some Ryan, point to I, some I Graham a... Parsons at some point. Okay. Uh. Ryan, I want to know because we've mentioned this, I know I've mentioned it before, is that Chris, I make Chris listen to this stuff uh, a lot because I have it on out loud. That's just how I roll. And so he listened to Jason Molina many times and like reached a breaking point but then was like i've already heard it so many times i don't even mind anymore and then he got real into the big beast and certain songs and we got like katie weighing in on it but what is how does do you 
subject Aubrey to these assignments? And if so, has she had favorites? Yeah, I do. She gets subjected to them around the house. If I'm working in the backyard or if we are traveling anywhere and we're working on a project, she gets subjected to it. Not really in her wheelhouse, but we definitely had discussions about how beautiful and sad the lyrics were. Mm -hmm. I think overall, yeah, for her, this album was like, holy shit, are we going to listen to this again? This is incredibly <laughs> sad. I don't know if I can do that. So what you do is you just keep going until they like, I just do that to Chris. I just keep yeah. playing it and eventually he's, oh, I've yeah. broken through this mental, like you've broken me mentally. I now no longer mind if we listen to this for another week straight. Yeah, yeah I, like for me, it ends up being little things that, little hooks that stick in my head or like lyrics that make me think where I make sure that she hears what we're working on just so the moments that I have that's like, Holy fucking shit. Listen to the, what he says and how he says this, that she has some frame of reference instead of just like grenade into the room. Like, <laughs> listen to this like horribly depressing lyric. <laughs> yeah. Hey, are you sad? Do you want to be? Hey, yeah, yeah. You want to be more sad? <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. So sad. Do you want Do you want to find happiness in your sadness? Because really dig in here deep because it's there <laughs> yeah i come out the other side yeah I, I think katie didn't appreciate devo i'm trying to think of our last several picks <laughs> she didn't appreciate maiden. devo she didn't appreciate maiden <laughs> she didn't appreciate the descendants we've been on a, it was a, a tough road there but the thing is the way i listen to music most Mostly, I'll listen to it if I'm working. Sometimes it depends on the kind of music, but mostly I'm, it's either I'm in the car and I'm taking the kids somewhere, or I'm driving somewhere, or I'm working outside. And so, generally, that's when the kids and Katie like. So I, I can give you my kids' reviews. I can give you my kids' I'm reviews. Interested. My kids like Devo. They thought that was cool. They did not care for Iron Maiden. They did not care for the Descendants. They remarked that because I was playing this a whole bunch this record a whole bunch they were like daddy you really like this song because it was Farewell and Transmission because that's the first song that's you start the record and I was like yes I do but also I do this for the podcast but he's like, they're like Iggy was like but you listen to this today and you listen to this the day before and you listen to that the day before that and I was like yeah but I'm see I'm just I'm trying to get ready <laughs> I'm trying to listen to it I'm trying to process it so I think for, this is with, daddy's homework. Yeah, for that one, I think they were less, like, they just, I don't know that there was enough. It's, like, subtle enough. I don't know that there was enough for them there, you know? Again, they're just children. Congratulations. Yeah. Your children haven't had depressing enough lives to really have this yeah. music resonate with them yet. So, Actually, that's, that's a good thing. Bound to happen Listen, if your kids were, like... Alonzo, if your kids were like, I feel what he's saying, I'd be like concerned. I would be really worried. Yeah, no doubt. No, that's like, true. That's true. It'll, it'll come. The, the weight of the world will eventually. Um, <laughs> the violins make me cry every time, and I love it. Yeah. 
Chris is really like good natured about it. I think sometimes he's even if he likes or even if he dislikes things, he doesn't complain, which is one of his big pluses. So the most I normally get is this is the tenth time today. Can we please just like something else? <laughs> and it, it's not a statement about the album. It's just like the number like, of times. Please, for the love of God, I need something else. Yeah. Or yeah. he'll just put in his own headphones quietly. Yeah, yeah. The, the warble, the warble's cutting through. <laughs> okay, so for next time, what do you guys? I'm gonna give. Okay, I'm gonna give you a choice. I'm gonna give you a choice of genres. Okay. So this is what I'm thinking. We could go R&B, funk. Okay. We could go. We could go, I don't know, what do you want to call it? Indie of the aughts, early 2010s, okay? Or we could go real left field, like electronic, but not IDM or something crazy challenging, but just not anything we've listened to (laughs) on this podcast yet. So there's that, there's more like contemporary R&B funk. Indie from the late aughts, early 2000s. What do you guys think? I know which one I want to listen to, but I feel like that's like the point of the <laughs> no, no, that's the whole thing. Me listen to this. I know I've got things on my list that could be any of those three, two of which I've been thinking about recently. Okay. So let's go with... Let's go with the electronic one. Let's go with the one that's really, like, completely... I feel like we've done some, like, rock-focused music. All right, guys. This might not work, though, is the thing. (laughs) Great. I'm glad I could choose that one. This might not work. No, it's cool. I'm just... I'm warning everybody, I guess. This may not work. Okay. Jenny, are you down? Yeah, I'm down. Okay. All right. So... What I'm going to pick is a a record called Atlantic Memories and the band, I don't even know if it's a band exactly, is called VCR Classique. Okay? Alright. VCR Classique. It's on, there's a, there's a band camp for it. Is it, okay, is this going to be a challenge to... For you guys to actually listen to, it's on YouTube at the very least. There's a band camp works for me, VCR class. <laughs> okay, here. I'm gonna put the I'm gonna put the link to the band camp in the in in our channel. But yeah, it's gonna be the first one that definitely the first one that Amazon Music is not familiar with. <laughs> okay, I put it in our Discord. Okay. How do I describe this for you guys? I hate using this fucking lingo, but I think it, it would probably be most like described as like vaporwave, quote unquote. And I am, it's gonna be a, yeah, it's a curveball. So it's a curveball. <laughs> so do you want me to spoil what the other ones were though? If we want to change our minds. I don't know that I want to change my mind, but I am curious what the other. So it's going to be Thundercats album Drunk was our contemporary R&B funk sort of deal. Okay, and then the other, the indie one was going to be uh, Sufjan Stevens' The Age of Odds from 2010 or whatever. 
I can't speak this. I don't think I can speak to the Sufjan Stevens album. Yeah, I've yeah. listened to some of his albums, but I don't know about that one specifically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's a Thundercat album. I, I'm a big, I'm a big proponent of anything Thundercat does. So that one would have been a softball for me. For sure. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, no doubt. Yeah, no doubt. I, you know, I'm excited about this because I've not listened to these guys. Okay, at all. I don't even know if it's guys. I have no idea. Like, I literally have no idea. I don't these, know anything. These folks? I don't uh, the, know, like, the, these, it could be this these, folk. It could be some sort of AI. Yeah, I haven't listened to this like sentient drum machine yet, but I can't wait to hear what Fruity Loops <laughs> did once it becomes the <laughs> game self-aware. Yeah, hold on. Just before we go out, I'll just give you a little preview, guys. Just to. I'm into it already. <laughs> just a little preview. Just a little touch. Yeah. The funny thing is, this is actually close relatively close to one of the things i was thinking of the thing that i thought it was going to be pretty far from it's actually a lot closer than <laughs> so that might actually change what i what's on my mind for the next week all right i don't know if i could do two weeks in a row like that to anybody all right this is our podcast nobody knows about this music but i don't give a shit we're gonna do yeah. this vcr classy okay other than that